Uh, some of you might not know me. Some of you know me. I used to go here. Uh, I moved away in August. I'm Pastor Steve's son. So Pastor Steve is in Argentina right now with, on a mission trip with a lot of the other people in this church. Um, I, the, uh, the only news that I've gotten so far about the trip is, I, you know, how, we said, how's the trip going? And we, uh, he sent us this picture. They're getting the picture. Um, but while that's coming up, just a little bit about me, if you, if you, don't, if you don't know me. Oh, this is it. Oh, it's kind of hard to see. So I, how's the trip going? This is the picture he sends back. I think that's good news. I think that's good news. That's positive news. So they're doing well down there. Please keep praying for them. Please keep praying for them. They're not just eating barbecue. They're also ministering to people. They're also uh, probably this morning... Um, either Pastor Steve or Pastor Freddie is preaching uh, down there. So please keep praying for them. Pray for them every single day. They cover your prayers. Um, anyway, that's where they are. If you, don't, if, if, if you haven't met me before, uh, I, I used to go here for a long time. Uh, we moved away in August. I was an elder in training at Calvary Chapel in the city. I served in the Sunday school, in the youth group, and on the worship team for many, many years. Um, and we, we moved out to Fitchburg. And we're doing very well there. And you're all invited to come and visit. Uh, you just have to give me some heads up so that we can prepare food for you. We have a big yard, you know. Um, anyway, it's good. It feels a little bit like coming home. I, I, there's a lot of faces that I love here. It's new faces too, which is always good. But I love all, I love all you. I love coming back to Boston and seeing you all. Um, today we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Um, Who's got Bibles? Does everyone have their Bible? Everyone have their Bible here? If you don't have a Bible, can you raise your hand so that someone can give it to you? It's not a shaming thing. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll, and we'll get you a Bible. If you, if you don't have a Bible at all, please keep that Bible and, uh, and, and read it. Please keep that Bible and read it. So today, we're going to be trying to get through the entire book of Habakkuk the entire book of Habakkuk. It's only three chapters. We're not going to be able to read every single verse, but uh, we are going to try to get through the book. We're going to try, try to do a flyover. So please turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk, is, it, I'll, I'll, give, uh, I'll give folks a little time to, to turn there. It's one of those little verses in the little, little chapters, little books in the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 1. And please rise while we read God's word. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife, contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous and therefore perverse judgment proceeds. You can be seated. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to come uh, back to Calvary Chapel in the city. We, we pray for our service that it would be a service of worship, that we would be worshiping, uh, that the worship will not have ended with the singing, that 
We will be encouraged and praising you throughout the service, throughout the day. We love you and we need you. Amen. Amen. All right. It's about an hour-long drive uh, from Fitchburg today. It was quiet for a little while, and my daughter was quiet, you know, and she said, she just sort of blurted out, there are eight eyeballs in this family. <laughs> I just wanted to share that with you. There's four, there's four of us, so she, you know what I mean? She, she, did, all, she did the math. She was sitting there. Um, so normally here at Calvary Chapel, we're, it's, what, what do we do? We're chapter by chapter, verse by verse, right? And that's a very good, that's a very safe way of studying Scripture. You can't skip anything. The pastor can't skip anything. If there's a pastor who doesn't like talking about this thing or the other thing, and he's doing chapter by chapter, verse by verse, it's too bad. He's going to have to teach on everything. I think you have just finished up Galatians, right? Well, that was a couple, that was several weeks ago, and I think Pastor Steve is, is in between books right now. Is that, oh, he's not? Oh. He's halfway through. Oh, Galatians? Oh, well, you're still in Galatians. Okay. Uh, he's, he, you guys are in Galatians. Um, and you have the benefit of all those weeks of context, right? He builds the story every single week. Every week builds on the week before. But I can't do that. I can't do that. I have to drop in here and, and pick something and pray about something and, and, and pray that you're not confused by what I'm saying. You're not all confused by what I'm, what I'm saying. So today we're going to try to get through this whole book. And... Um, but we need to do a little foundation digging so that you will know what on earth I'm talking about. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets in the Bible. Um, the Bible, uh, your Old Testament is divided into the, the law, the first five books, sometimes uh, which, which the Jews will call the, the Torah. Uh, then there's history, which is what happened with the kings. And then there's poetry, like Psalms and Proverbs. And then there's prophets. Um, and so they're grouped really by theme. They're not grouped by chronology, right? Um, and Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, and there's not a lot known about him. There's not a lot known about Habakkuk. Some people think that he might have been a Levite or a priest who sings or who serves God in some way because the very last verse says, this is to the chief musician with my stringed instrument. And maybe that means that it was his job as a priest to sing or to write music. It doesn't matter that much. It's interesting, I think. We can infer a little bit more. Oh, man, I wish I had that pointer. Do we have a pointer? We can infer a little bit more on when he lived based on what he sees and what he describes. There's a picture, another graphic here that I, that I have that I'd like to show. Do we have the, the second picture? Here it is. So if I, had the, if I had the laser pointer, I would, I would, I would show you that, well, first of all, I, I like this graphic. I like it. I don't love it. Um, it doesn't show the passage of time very well, but it shows the order. I also don't agree with where they've placed everyone, but that doesn't matter. Um, based on who we know, oh, this is great. My dad loves this thing, and so do I. Here, okay, so based on, based on what we know in the book, um, it talks about Babylon coming, Babylon coming. And so we know that that's going to be after the beginning of King Josiah's reign right here. It's going to be after the beginning. But Babylon hasn't done anything really bad yet. So that's going to put 
Habakkuk before Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin here, right? So he's in, he's in this, this, this phase, somewhere here. And so this is a pretty good, one of the things that it does pretty well is it shows kind of the state of the nation. So how would, you, how would we describe this, this slant, right? It's decline, you know? Um, Babylon hasn't, hasn't done anything yet. And we know that Josiah, the, the reason why we know Josiah was a good king, there's a, there's a verse in 2 Kings 22, verse 2. It says of King Josiah that King Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely in the ways of his father David, not turning to the right or to, or to the left. But Jeremiah gives us another clue about the state of the heart of the people. It says that, yes, so it's, it, it says that Judah, so Habakkuk is a prophet to the kingdom of Judah. Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but only in pretense. So she shows up to church, but she's not there for her heart. It's not, she's not there. And this book is a conversation between Habakkuk and God. First, Habakkuk will complain to God. Do you know that you can complain to God? Do you know that it's a spiritual thing in, when you're praying to complain to God? Can you pretend that God doesn't know everything that's going on in your life? That he doesn't know everything that's going on all around you? Can you pretend? You can't pretend. You be, be honest with him. Be honest. You think you're going to surprise God when you tell him about, about everything that's going on? You can't surprise him. He wants you to be honest with him. Habakkuk complains. He says to God, how long will I cry out to you, God, and you will not hear? Even I cry out violence. There's violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity? Why do you let me see all these things? Why was I born, when I, why was I born now instead of a, a more peaceful time, instead of a better time? Why do I have this life? Why do you cause me to see trouble for plundering and violence are before me. There's strife, there's contention. The law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. What is, what is Habakkuk complaining about here? Habakkuk is complaining about that decline that we saw, the decline. He sees, yeah, he's complaining about this decline. He remembers Josiah reviving the country. He remembers Josiah saying, we're going we're gonna to rededicate ourselves to God. We're going to worship together again. He remembers that the beginning of that. And then by the end of the time, Jeremiah says, hey, they're just doing it because Josiah is telling them to. They're not doing it with their heart. And in secret, violence, corruption, evil. He says to God, the law is powerless. The wicked surround the righteous. He's grieved about his country, about his circumstances. How many people here today, and my guess is that even if you don't raise your hand, in your heart you're raising your hand, are grieved about the circumstances of this nation or maybe the nation where, you're, where you come from, right? Like me, right? right? I know I am. And honestly, I don't care if you watch Fox or if you watch NBC, you're grieved, right? Now, part of their job is to make you upset, but... You're grieved. I'm grieved at the state of this country. If you're from another country and you look, and you look at what's going on at home, you're grieved. You're like, God, how, 
Why, why would you let this happen, God? Why, why, how could you let this happen? Why are you allowing this? I think that about this country. I, I think that about, um, sometimes I think, man, I wish I was born in a different time. I wish I was born when things were better, you know, when things were more peaceful. He feels helpless. He says, God, why would you tolerate this? The law which you gave, the law is powerless. The law is supposed to be a good thing. Justice never goes forthrightly. Does anyone here feel like we just keep running into issues with justice every six months in our country? Why can't we get over this? Why can't we fix this? God, why would you allow it? Don't you care? The thing that I really like about Scripture is that even though Habakkuk is talking about a national level, I can read this in my own life too, right? I, I can say, God, look at this mess. Look at this mess. Why would you allow it? Don't you love me? Don't you care? I can say about my nation, look at this mess. Why would you allow it? Don't you care? I can say about all human history, God, why would you, why would you even make the world, God? Like, why would, you do, why would you do this, God? Don't you care? We've all felt like this at one point or another. I know I, know, I, know I have, I'm, and I know that you all have too. Habakkuk is speaking nationally. He's complaining to God, and now God is going to answer him. He's going to answer him. And so if you go to chapter 1, verse 5, God will answer him. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. For I am raising up the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans are the Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceeds from themselves. God's saying here, these people, they have, a di- they have different rules. They don't play by your rules. Their rules, their dignity, their honor, their law, it comes from themselves, from their own nation, from their national pride. Everything for the glory of Babylon. Everything is okay as long as Babylon is okay. Verse 8 says, Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their, charges, their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as eagles that hasten to eat. They all have come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind, and they gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings, and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize them. Then... His mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, but he ascribes this power to his God. Now, history has shown us, really just the last hundred years has shown us that if a person believes that they're doing the right thing for their country, and, and they will do anything for the motherland or for the fatherland. They will do anything. They will kill babies for their country, right? This is Babylon. This is who he's talking about, a, a country like that. These people, their law doesn't come from God. It's meant to, to honor Babylon. Isn't this just, I just, I, I, was re, I'm, I was reading that and I was like, this is such spooky, poetic language. Their horses are swifter than leopards, 
more fierce than evening wolves. Can you imagine an army like that? I mean, it's, today we fight with drones. You used to have to go up face-to-face with someone and try to poke them with a spear, right? That's how, that's how people used to fight. And there's the whole, this is a whole army that's full of horses that are as fierce as evening wolves. It's, God, Habakkuk understands what God is saying. He's complaining about his nation. He says, God, Israel, we have these problems. And then God says, take a look, this is Babylon. God, Habakkuk knows what God is saying. He's not bringing up Babylon for no reason. He's telling Habakkuk that he is raising up Babylon to be an instrument of judgment against Judah, against his country. To, that Babylon is going to come up against Jerusalem and is going to destroy it. Habakkuk's complaint is, God, look at this mess. And God's answer is, do you really want to know what's coming? <laughs> Let me tell you what's coming. Be careful what you ask God, because he might answer you. There's a, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I'm going I'm to butcher, but he said that a man discovering God is like a child discovering someone in the dark. Have you ever bumped, um, bumped into someone in the dark? And be like, I didn't know you were there, right? That's sometimes what it's like, right? God's there, and he might be there in a way that you didn't expect him to be. He might answer you. Part of being a mature Christian, does anyone here want to be a mature Christian? I want to be a mature Christian. Is being like Habakkuk. God is doing something that you don't understand, that you don't like, and then responding like this. Habakkuk says to God, verse 12, he says to God in verse 12, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours? A wick, when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he. Maybe you can see what Habakkuk is struggling with here. He says, God, don't you see all this wickedness in my country? God says, why, yes, I do. I'm sending the Babylonians. Habakkuk says, wait a minute. I didn't mean that. I didn't want that. God, we might be bad, but they're worse. Why would you send someone who's worse to judge us? I wanted you to do something nice, to, you know, fix, to fix everything. This is his way of saying, God, we deserve judgment, but you're not going to wipe us out completely, are you? And when he says, this is, I, I, I like this, this is kind of what I was talking about before, he's being very honest with God. He says, are you not from everlasting? Hebrew scholars believe this is his way of saying, God, you're God. Is this the best that you can come up with, God? You're God. And why would you use the Babylonians? Why would you do that, God? This doesn't make sense. Now, remember, this kind of thing happens in our life, too. We're seeing something in our life that we really don't like. It's like Judah. 
there's injustice. Something terrible is going on. Someone that I love is messing up. We ask God, what's the deal with this? Don't you care? Then God does something or maybe shows you something that makes even less sense than the thing before. Even less sense than the thing before. Here's an example. Imagine praying for a relative or a friend who you love. You're praying for them, you're praying for them, you're praying for them. And then they go to jail. God, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I meant. Why would you, why would you do that? That's worse. Why, why couldn't you do something else? You know, what's, you know what's crazy about this is that God didn't even tell Habakkuk everything that he was going to do. When the Babylonians attacked Jerusalem for the final time, first of all, they, they destroyed the city. They completely destroyed it. But they also completely destroyed the temple. Would Habakkuk have been able to handle that? God, what? Do you, what, what, what how? God told Habakkuk the limit of what he could handle. Do you think that Habakkuk would have been able to handle that? Why would God destroy the temple? That's, that's where we worship him. You know, God, they're going to say they're stronger than you if they destroy your temple. You know that. You know that, God, right? You know that. So God tells, God tells Habakkuk what he can handle, and now the ball is in Habakkuk's court. So many of us. This happens to every person. If, if they live long enough, this happens to every person. This kind of thing happens to you, has happened to you, maybe multiple times, where God does something that you really, really don't like, you can't handle. And you say, what, what's going on? Now, there's, there, now there's, there's, a couple, there's two reactions here. There's Habakkuk's reaction. And then there's the reaction where, that some people say, okay, I don't like this, so God doesn't exist anymore. Now, I, I, I know that God exists, so to me, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That would be like if I had a teacher who gave me bad grades, and I said, well, gosh, I don't like that, so you know what? I'm just not going to believe that I'm taking that class anymore, and I'm also not going to go to that class anymore, and that will solve the problem, okay? Does that make sense? It does not make sense. If God is doing something that you don't understand, the wrong response is, well, then he just must not exist. God exists, and he exists in a way that's realer than you, than you know. There's a, an evangelist who, who was talking with an atheist, and the atheist said, um, I, don't, well, I don't believe in God. And the evangelist said, well, tell me about this God that you don't believe in. Maybe I don't believe in him either. <laughs> right? There is a God, and he's realer than you know. What is, so that's, that's the wrong response. What's God, what is Habakkuk's response? God, I don't... I don't understand this. You love us. How could this be good? This is worse. How could this be good? Have you ever felt like that about your own life? What does he do? Chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So when we see something that we don't understand, that we don't like, that we honestly, that we can't stand, the response is, shouldn't, is not. Brothers and sisters, let it not be bury your head in the sand. Bury your head 
and pleasure that just smooths everything over, that just numbs everything over. Sometimes when, pe- when hard things happen, people turn to drugs. They turn to that X that just, that just, you know, did whatever they wanted. They turn to, they turn to drugs, right? People just, they just numb themselves, right? When something happens, Habakkuk says, you know what, I'm not gonna numb myself. I'm gonna go up to the, to the rampart. I'm gonna go up to the top where it's clearest, where it's coldest, and I'm going to wait for you there, God. I'm going to wait for you. I will wait to see what you say to me. Waiting on God to answer you in your confusion, and we all get confused. In your doubt, and we all doubt. Waiting on God to answer you is the right thing to do. And God, brothers and sisters, God will answer you. He will answer you. Here's a promise that God gave to Israel through Jeremiah when everything that God said to Habakkuk, when when this all was happening, here's a promise that God gave to Israel through Jeremiah. He says, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you stand on the rampart, like Habakkuk says, when you watch for me, when you wait for me, you will find me. I don't care what has happened or hasn't happened in your life. I don't care what you've done, and some of you have done some things. I know it. I've done some things. Or haven't done. I don't care what you've seen, and some of you have seen some things. Or what you haven't seen or what you've lost, and some of you have lost some things, or what you stand to lose. This is a promise for every human being on the planet that if you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, to a church that doesn't care about anything anymore, they don't They show up because it's fun, because that's where their friends are. They don't care about God at all, right? And he says, listen, guys, you still have a chance. You still have a chance. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. That's God's promise to you. And I can't hold each one of you by your shoulders and say, that's God's promise to you, but I would do that if I had enough time. That's God's promise to you that he's at the door and that he's knocking and that if you will open, that he will come in. What is the Lord's answer to Habakkuk? He says, I'm gonna wait for your response, God. I'm gonna wait for your response. Habakkuk, uh, that's what Habakkuk said and this this is what the Lord's answer was in In chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Write the vision, write this vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That means, Habakkuk, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to make it clear because everyone who hears this, they just need to be able to run with it. Don't make it confusing. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, what is he saying there? That sounds kind of confusing, right? He's saying, Habakkuk, it's going to happen. It might take a while, 
but it's gonna happen, I promise you. It might feel like you're waiting, but it's not gonna come a day late. And when it happens, you better be ready. Because if you're not ready, you're gonna die. That's why I want you to make this plan. This is what he says. Oh man, I wish this verse was at the top. This is what, uh, this is what he says to Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, make this plain. Because when it happens, it's gonna happen. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. He says, write this down, Habakkuk. The just will live by faith. When this happens, Habakkuk, when Babylon comes, don't depend on yourself. Don't be prideful. Don't depend on yourself. Don't depend on your money. Don't depend, and some of you have money. Some of you don't have money. Don't depend on your money. Some of you are very, you have a lot of abilities. Don't depend on, he says, don't depend on those abilities, Habakkuk. Don't depend on your connections. Some of you have connections, some of you don't. Don't depend on them. Don't depend on your logic. Don't depend on your experience. That's going to get you nowhere, Habakkuk. When the time come, comes, Habakkuk, and, I, and he's not even telling Habakkuk what exactly is gonna happen. He's not giving them a play-by-play of what's gonna happen. He says, when the time comes, Habakkuk, you're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to believe me, Habakkuk. I'm not telling you everything that's going to happen. Honestly, that would be too much for you, Habakkuk. Honestly, that would be too much for you, sitting in your seat, for me, standing up here. If I told you, he says, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't even believe it. If he told Habakkuk, I'm gonna destroy the temple too, Habakkuk would be like, what's going on here? You're, not, you're definitely not gonna do that. That's crazy. Habakkuk, you don't know what's coming. Habakkuk, you barely can handle what's in front of you right now. Does anyone ever feel like that? I can barely handle what's in front of me right now. You're gonna to have to believe me. You're gonna to have to live by faith. There's not gonna be a rule book. I'm gonna show up at the right moment and if you have faith, you are going to obey me and you will live. Now this verse, the just shall live by faith, is all over the New Testament. Hebrews 10, uh, 38 says, now the just shall live by faith. If any man draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Galatians 3, 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Calvary Chapel in the city, if you don't remember anything else I've said, remember this today. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Your faith that Jesus came as a man, it's not a story, he came as a man, he lived a sinless life, he died on a cross accounting that sinless life to you, and that he rose from the grave on the third day proving his victory over sin and death. Your, that is the gospel, and faith in that gospel will do more for your life and more for your eternity than your money, than your connections, then your logic, then your abilities or experience, the just shall live by faith. Now, if you say, Sam, 
That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. God is telling you, just like he's telling Habakkuk, and I'll just speak to myself, Sam, you think you can handle your death? Sam, you can barely handle your life. You can barely handle what's in front of you, right? Sam, you think you're going to be able to stand in front of an almighty, infinite, holy God and give an account for your life, for all your sin, all the sin no one knows about except for you and me, you're going to be able to give an account for that? Sam, you, you pushed the snooze button twice this morning. You can't even handle waking up this morning. Sam, you, is, do you really think you can handle it, Sam? Sam, the just shall live by faith. You know how Babylon has just, and, and, this, is, and this, is what, this is what, this is how they would live by faith when the time came. This is how they would live by faith when the time came. Jeremiah would say, hey, you know how Babylon has just destroyed our city, killed our soldiers, starved us for a whole year, and, and, and destroyed the temple? Move to Babylon. That's the only place where you're going to be safe. So when the time came and everything happened, God said, folks, move to Babylon. And folks said, Jeremiah, that makes no sense. Jeremiah, okay? That makes no sense. Some people ran away. They ran away to Egypt. You know what happened to them? They died. Some people fought back. You know what happened to them? They died. They died. You know the only people who lived? The ones who lived by faith and did what made no sense and moved to Babylon. Why, what, 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 why would we move to Babylon? They just, what, did you just see what just happened? Why would we move there? I, we, actually, we hate them. Why would we move there? Believing God, even and especially when it does not make sense is living by faith. It makes no sense that I shouldn't cut this corner in my business. No one's going to know about it. It makes no sense. No one, it makes no sense that I shouldn't lie here. It's going to get me out of a bind. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that I shouldn't get to sleep with this person. I love this person. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that I should bless my enemy. It makes no sense. Why should I pray? Why would God listen to me? I'm, I'm a lame dude. Why, why, why should I pray? He told me to pray, but why should I pray? It makes no sense. Why should I wake up early on a Sunday morning and set up all this equipment? It makes no sense. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk responds. God's answer to Habakkuk, by the way, which we do not have time to get into, it is, it is apocalyptic. It is apocalyptic. He says, you know what, Habakkuk? I'm judging Judah, and I'm also going to judge Babylon, and I'm also going to judge the entire world when I come back, and, base, and just, <laughs> it's crazy. Habakkuk hears this, and he responds. God, when I heard this, my body trembled. This is chapter 3, verse 16, the first part. 
When I heard this, my body trembled. My lips quivered at your voice. Rottenness entered my bones. And I trembled in myself. He says, God, I'm scared. Anyone here ever been scared? Me. I've been scared. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. <laughs> Every person here has been scared. And it just, just like that path before, it's what do we do with our fear? Do we bring it to God? Or do we bury our hands in, or do I bury our heads in the sand and numb ourselves? He says, God, I'm scared, but you know what? I'm going to trust you. And he says, in verse 17 of chapter 3, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. He says, God, I don't understand. I'm scared, but I trust you, God. And so even though these things don't make sense, even though you're telling me to do something that doesn't make sense, God, I trust you. Even if everything is falling apart around me, I will be joyful in God, my Savior. There's a story about this missionary um, who was, this is in the 1800s, and he was, he, was, he was trying to be a missionary in South America. And they shipwrecked on an island, on a deserted island, and there was no food, and everyone who survived the shipwreck, he was one of them, eventually starved to death on this island, including him. But he had a journal, and they found this journal, you know, later, when they were like, where are these people, you know? They found this journal, and the last entry of the journal, he writes, I'm overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. I don't know when he died. I don't know. He was seeing people die all around him. He was starving himself. But in that moment, he knew God was good. Does that make sense? Now, he knew it. And Christian, you can know it, that God is good. When things are terrible, when you're, when you're starving on a deserted island, you can know that God is good. If that man could know that God is good, Christian, believe me, you can know God is good where you are. He says, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Job said something like this. He said something like this after losing everything. He said, the Lord, he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Christian, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk says, I will be joyful in God my Savior. My Savior. What does that mean? That means he saved me, and he will save me. He will keep on saving me. That's my, he's my Savior. I speak a lot to Christians on Sunday mornings, 
My guess is that some of you need a Savior today. Some of you have, you have no hope in this life or, or after. And today might be the day I might have drive, driven all the way down from Fitchburg to ask you that question. Do you have a Savior today? You're not promised tomorrow, neither am I, but you'll stand before God. And if you're not sure that Jesus Christ, when you stand before God, that Jesus Christ is going to save you, today's the day. Today's the day. I'd like to conclude and call the worship team up and the, and the prayer teams up. My guess is that there's people here who are asking some of the same questions that Habakkuk was asking. Some of the same questions. Distressed about the nation. Distressed about your nation, if you're not from America. Distressed about things that are going on in your life, things that have gone in your life. And you've been asking, God, how could you allow this? My guess is that there's people here who they don't understand how God could be doing things the way he seems to be doing them. God, you're God. Why would you choose to do it this way, God? My guess is that there's people here who need to take a step away from trusting in themselves and in their own strength, even though it doesn't make sense, and to take a step towards Jesus. For some people here, my guess is that means taking a step back to Jesus because you stepped away. But he's at the door. For some people, that means your first step towards Jesus ever. And you have no idea what that means, and it doesn't make sense. But you're sitting in that chair, and your heart's on fire because God is speaking to you. My guess is that there's people here who things are just out of control, and they just want the strength to say, I will be joyful in God my Savior. So the worship team's going to play. And we're going to pray. I'm first going to conclude in prayer. And then when I'm, when I'm done praying, if you feel like that's one of those things is you, there's people up here, receive prayer from them. These people love you. Even if they don't know you, they love you. So I'm going to pray. They're going to play. And you're going to pray. Father God, thank you for today. Father God, thank you that you have told us enough. You have told us enough. You've told us the just shall live by faith. And we recognize, God, that that does not always make sense. That it does not always make sense. We believe you when you say that you will save us. God will save his people. I pray in Jesus' name for myself, for every person here, that we keep taking steps towards you, drawing closer to you. We love you, Jesus. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. A wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a land 
rescue the souls of men. Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, comforter, dismiss the prayer groups will still be up here for a little bit if you guys still need prayer but thank you god bless